you know, we could all be reading a book right now. Welcome back to the Boondocks Podcast. Last week, wow, we took off because a couple of our members were down and out. But this week, we're back and we're going to get into nigga moments. And you can't say it, all of you, N-word moments. Um, so this week's episode is all about, well, I'll read you the IMD synopsis first. After getting beaten up by the mean and blind Colonel Stinkmeaner, a humiliated granddad wants a rematch. Um, so basically, we've all been here. We've all been here, if not in the past two or three years, at least when you were younger, when you just had that argument that went way too far. Egos get into it. Pride oh, yeah. gets into it. Vengeance gets into it. Um, and it all could have just been resolved with an apology or just letting it go. Uh, and it is not exclusive to... Negroes, okay, <laughs> but true story. <laughs> yes, <laughs> very much so. Very much so. And I will have to say that I think a lot of people probably had those nigga moments in 2020. Yeah, there have been a oh, yeah. lot of. Those. I don't know if you guys know, guys have noticed this, but like one of my friends even tweeted it today. There is just such a vibe in the air of tension among. I mean, on social media, in the people you're interacting with in your day to day of like. Well, let's let's uh, let's talk about what's actually happening in the world right this moment as we're recording, because it might be a completely different world by the time this uh, comes out. Because every day this week, something new has happened. Um, so let's see what happened today. Uh, the president has declared that COVID's not a big deal and you should not worry about it because, you know, he survived with the best medicine that $750 could buy him. Right. Uh, <laughs> and right. so that's like, that's the major one. Um, there were a few celebrity deaths that really hit hard at this home. Uh, one of Dean's idols died today, Eddie Van Halen. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. That. So that's been a little tough for him. And, you know, I don't know if y'all know this, but one of my favorite childhood songs was, had the most intense guitar solo ever, and it was Eddie Van Halen, who did it for free in one take for Michael Jackson in Thriller. And I just love that fact. Like, Dean actually told me that fact, and it became, like, quickly one of my favorite things about it. I do remember. I, 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 quickly, I have to do a correction. Oh, no. It's, it's beat it. Shit, it's beat it. You're right. It's beat, beat it. it. Yes. Sorry. But there I was obsessed with Michael Jackson <laughs> when I was younger, so I remember all of those different... <sighs> yeah, that's post. pretty sad. Like, we've <laughs> lost... Um, and I didn't know that he, you know, battling that damn... Right. I didn't in cancer, man. I did not know. I either. am so sick of that word and that illness. Um, I, you know, don't give me on my my oh, pedal yeah, stool, no. you know, my 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 soapbox. I was in pedal pedal soapbox because I think that we totally have a cure for it. 
Um, but it makes more sense and people's pockets get a little more lined when people are sick and they don't release um, a cure for it. So um, I don't want to believe yeah. something like that, but I also have a friend who is just uh, as of yesterday knows that they have Hodgkin's disease again and it's their fifth time having cancer. Oh my God. Um, and yeah, and this is somebody who was my sister's best friend who died of cancer almost exactly a year ago. So like there's, I actually know four different people right now that within the last month have gotten a diagnosis and that's just terrifying. Absolutely. It definitely... Oh, it, my gosh. Um, cancer reaches every household, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My sister and I'm in this camp. Yeah. Oh, no, go ahead. You sure? I'm. Well, I'm in the same camp as you guys. Like, And if it's not... If it doesn't exist, which I'm kind of with you, I believe it does. Um, but if it doesn't exist, if we had less, less nigga moments in Congress <laughs> and in politics, right? then huh. it would certainly exist. How about that? Oh my God. I like how you bring that right back around to the right back around. And that is exactly true because they have more than nigga moments. It's like a petulant child nigga moment. Mm-hmm. If you can combine all of those together, that's, yeah. you know, that's what that's like. Um, that sums and, up the Trump White House. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just like one giant nigga moment. <laughs> right? Yes. Like the worst nigga moments ever. Lord. You know, look. If we're not on next week, it's because Trump told us say that he's having a nigga moment. I mean, right like, now, you know, he's so hopped up on medication. Him. Whatever he's hearing is, and saying is so bullshit. Like, you know, right? I know what it... I, I have not experienced it myself, but I have watched people on this medication that he took. And it fucks with your mind. Like, really? Grace would get so angry that she would scream at her children who are who were the love of her life and like she would like not know as it was happening not remember it afterward and like wow. there was so much shit and you know she uh yeah i a lot of people that i know who have um battled cancer cuz it's a, a drug that they give a lot of um especially uh when it's um, lymph nodes, breast cancer. Um, oh, because it, it's I don't remember why, but you you take it before chemo, so it's the thing that starts to kill you before you take the stuff that really starts to wow. kill you. Wow. <sighs> so, um, so how is this exactly supposed to be this miracle treatment then? <laughs> like what? It's, there, there's it wasn't nothing one thing that he got though. He got like four different experimental things, but like ah, my point is, I think he he's in the middle of a steroidal like hallucination or something like he straight up said today uh, i don't want you you representatives who are on my side to talk to the other side anymore the american people don't don't need to get any more money unless they elect me president again yes i could not believe when i I couldn't believe that like and just a few days ago before he went into the hospital he said that he you know he told everybody to get it done Mm -hmm. or he told house the Congress to get it done by any means necessary. Right. Get the stimulus agree, get it. And then now, I think, well, I mean, what the f- damn mind? I just don't, I, I, the people that are just true staunch supporters, <laughs> I want, I want you to sit down and have a common sense conversation with me and explain to me how all of these things that he says and does does not deter you. <laughs> and I just, I, Please let me know. And and don't be delusional. Like somebody wants to, you know. I tried to do that like in 2016 when people first elected him. I was like, why? Now I'm like, fuck you. You don't give a shit about me. So I don't give a shit about you. That's, that's, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. 
Like I, I literally, and I feel terrible about this because <clears throat> it has, this presidency has caused a lot of rifts in my husband's family, um, especially between his daughter and his mother. Um, and uh, yeah, so it, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't wish this on anybody, but I absolutely do not understand the lack of Oh, what's a good word? Um, one, the lack of empathy, but also the lack of of <laughs> it's the emperor has new clo- no clothes. The lack of being able to see something and be willing to say something, mm-hmm. and you know, mm-hmm. to actually see what's true instead of what you're being told. Um, yes. So it's very funny you say that. I'm uh, taking classes again right now on another degree. <laughs> I don't know why. I'll be starting uh, soon on mine. <laughs> Yeah, so that's what I'm doing. So I just had my assignment this week was about fallacies and social social oh, errors and biases. Nice. And exactly what you just described is the conformity and um, it's conformity and group um, bias uh, or error where you, regardless of any thought that you may have, you just kind of go against go against the grain or go with a certain group, you know, because you're being told to or because that's what you're more comfortable with. And then when you do that, you're actually committing another error, which is the one of us and one of them, mm-hmm. you know, kind of bias and error. Whereas uh, you, we're different. Our thoughts are different. So therefore, I'm I'm very leery of you. I, you know, but anybody that's like me or has the same thoughts, we're good. We get along. Um, so those two definitely, I said, the, like those errors and biases are being committed just solely throughout our society right now. And it's sad because you would think that 2020 and everything that we've been through would bring us closer together and not, uh, you know, not commit uh, or I'm not commit, but add to the divisiveness that we've been living with for, you know, four years. Yeah. Well, even Uh, before that, like, I mean, Obama, when he was in office, uh, did the best that he could from the centrist point that he was at. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But the way he was treated by people on the right... Yeah. was absolutely abhorrent and he put up with it never threw a tantrum never like never. announced to the news that they were being assholes for reporting on it yes he yes. just basically was like whatever dude got to the end of you know did his job did it well yeah. for what yeah. what it, what he could and yeah. you know i i find i find that the disparity that that like all of the shit that the right did back then like from fucking hanging him in effigy to like having mm-hmm, posters mm-hmm. of uh, uh, Michelle Obama as a gorilla in a dress mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, um, yeah. you know just god there were so many ugly ugly caricatures and now why can't we be compassionate that the president is sick we should not wish for his death well I got something to tell you fuck him <laughs> and fuck anybody right? who thinks like him because I deserve to have a very robust life in my choice yes. of wherever I live, and it shouldn't matter if I'm in a democratic city or a Republican, Republican city or if I'm black or white. or And all he cares about is Republican and white. And that's it. Yeah, and, and that's it. And his bottom line um, and his $735 in taxes, <laughs> right? you know, <laughs> like that is just bull right there. Like if Ob- if that would have come out about Obama, they would have been trying to impeach him in a, a second. Sap. Like, Jesus. oh God, the petitions that would have been going around there, everything. <laughs> it would have been issues. 
He never, Obama never would have made it to the old office if he had half the no. shit going on that Trump does with these oh. baby mamas and these multiple oh. kids and all this oh. bullshit. But Man. I could just pop off about so much of this shit going on because I have been, even how like my girlfriend was like, oh my God, Twitter's so hostile today. Yeah, because <laughs> I've been hopping all over you motherfuckers and I will not stop. I said that when Trump got elected, like I know these people on Twitter don't know this. When I was on Facebook and I had family who voted for Trump, and like plenty of friends, hmm. cut them all off. Done with yeah. you. All of you. Done. Um, and what tripped me out about it so much is that I, well, I said to them all too, before I started cutting them, you say some racist shit. You say some dumb shit. I will, I'm coming for you. I will speak my piece and you do with it what you want. That attitude still applies to Twitter. And here's my kind of thing with it. Like, I'm, I don't know if you guys saw or not. Like I had my own little micro. I, it wasn't even a nigga moment because I don't react to this shit anymore. I'm too old. <laughs> Too grown and too zen. Like one of these people who I don't know if I followed this person or if somebody retweeted them onto my timeline, but they were saying this whole thing of like, if you're a person who's wishing for Trump to die, remember you have kids of your own and karma is equal. So your child may get COVID. Oh my God. What? That is are you really out here? And you're out here just okay. Okay. And I know you like you're into spirituality too. Like yeah. I do not like religion for a lot of the reasons of what you guys were just talking about. Religion is used to guilt people into going mm-hmm. along with the group mentality mm-hmm. and what is wrong. Yeah. So then yeah. a lot of us escaped into spirituality, which is, you know, come from a place of love, vibe high, all this bullshit. I'm I'm here for it too. But we're all also still people and our emotions are valid. Mm-hmm. If you're out here and Donald Trump has destroyed your life, got you kicked out of the military, got you exiled from this country, um, you know, had your, your girlfriend murdered murdered by a, a no-knock warrant or whatever. Yeah. All these Forced things to going on. me while you were locked in. I was just going to say that. I was just going to say, I just learned about that like yesterday. Like Jesus literally God. yesterday. Oh that they, yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. But I feel I that chills. for I'm people just, yeah. to try and shame people to mm-hmm. say like, hey, this man is abusing me. I hope this disease that he got for ignoring the guidelines we all had to avoid mm-hmm, this disease. Mm-hmm. Like, how dare you try and shame people for feeling a way that they're somehow getting justice or in a situation where they have no power to stop this man from abusing them, that he gets some karma. Yes, and exactly. shame people. Saying that you That's would get some kind of karma back on you is bullshit because if you believe in karma, then you think that this is karma to him and exactly. everybody yes. around him. This is their fucking yes. payback for four years of terrorizing people. I mean, 18 yeah. people, 18 people. And that's just what we know now. So far. Just wait another week or well, that's so. Actually, yeah. That's not even true. No, so um, there's actually a report out. If you count White House staffers and uh, and like press, 123 people. Shut up. Absolutely. The 18 are just the ones that are people at this that CNN and MSNBC and whatever that they want to talk about because they have higher yeah. up positions. But people yeah, who yeah, work yeah. day in and day out in the White House and the press corps are getting sick too, uh, or oh, they're being no, quarantined because they're probably going to get it. Yes. That's, it's just, it's bananas to me. And it's, somebody just, uh, I was watching another um, show, a pod before we got on and he was, uh, the the guy's Jason Lee. I don't know if you guys know who he is, but he's more of like a, I'm going to tell it to you. I'm going to tell it to you how it is. Kind of like gossip blogger in a way, celebrity blogger. Okay. But he was talking about how there was a, a tweet in September that said, 
watch in October, uh-huh. Trump's going to get COVID and he's going to do this and he's going to do this. And it's going to be just in time, yep. you know, for the election, around the election. It was crazy because this person tweeted it like a month ago. Well, that's like beginning of September or something. Um, the the idea of an October surprise is it happens every election cycle. Um, yeah. That something's yeah. going to come out that's either going to make somebody look way more favorable or make them look totally terrible and they will win or lose the election on whatever that is. So yeah. predicting this was not hard. I mean, <laughs> one of the things in the like little bit of, of watching the news that I actually did today, I've been trying not to watch it as much as I used to, but in the little bit that I, I learned today, we we pretty much can't say that he's done any of the things that the rest of us have to do. He doesn't wear a mask, especially around the White House. He doesn't, mm-hmm. uh, um, he's not getting daily COVID tests like he's been saying for months. There's speculation that it's been months since his last, uh, his last test. And that I absolutely believe. The fact that no one, not uh, no one at all can, can, can say when his last test was just tells me right there that his last test was probably in like, you know, May. Yeah. April. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think he I think he had a touch of it and and like why he went to Walter Reed that April last May. time. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I really think, and this is just another time that he's getting because he's not healthy. Did you see the clip of when he was waiting for the um, the helicopter to land and he was he could not breathe? Mm-hmm. You could visually see that he was like, I mean, gasping. It was, you know, but he's trying to stand there with this, you know, brave face on. And he's just, he irritates me so bad. <laughs> I just, just yeah, and I cannot wait yes. for November to get here. Like, and I'm just praying. I wish that, that I had faith. The country doesn't have the same message for us as they did four years ago. Yeah. You know, I'm hoping that it's a much different uh, message and that we can move on and, you know, and um, I don't like that people refer to Biden as the lesser of two evils. Um, I mean, you know, to be perfectly honest, (laughs) I absolutely refer to him as the lesser of two evils because he is not at all anything that I would ever think to vote for if he wasn't running against Trump. He's he's antithetical to a lot of the things that I believe in, but I'm going to vote for him because I feel like mine and other people's lives are at stake at this point. Yes, yes. Um, And and that way, when you explain it that way, that completely understand. When people just go, no, he's, you know, he's old and he's this and he's that. And, you know, he voted for what created three strikes or, you know, the Mm -hmm. three strikes rule or law or, you know, the stop and frisk and whatnot. Yeah, you're right. That was also 20, 30 years ago. You can't tell me that somebody hasn't developed maybe a different point of view. I absolutely Um, believe. I think being under Obama, I think that he probably showed a little bit of that shit. And Obama was like, now, here, listen here, Joe. Now, <laughs> and I absolutely believe that. I also think that this presidential race has opened up his eyes a lot. Like For sure. some of the people For that sure. he's now working with are the people that I would have rather seen win the seat. So even though I don't believe that he has my best inter- interests in heart, I do believe that he is trying, which is something that I have not been able to say about any president mm-hmm, that we've ever mm-hmm. had. Yeah. Nobody's matched up to like I am I've always, I think I was born a leftist and I just got even farther left as I got older. Um, but, you know, I absolutely believe that that there can be <sighs> growth. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm looking at my, my former, you know, libertarian husband who's now almost as leftist mm-hmm. as I am um, <laughs> because 
you know, he learned about things like having empathy for people <laughs> and seeing mm. the world as a bigger place than just his yeah. small little um, circle. And that's that's how I feel, like, literally about kind of everybody right now. People are realizing both how small and how big their circles are. And for I've I've seen a lot of people wake up, and I hope that it keeps going that way. And I don't necessarily believe that Biden will move us anywhere near what I would like, but he can at least get us back to where we were when it was starting to look positive. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. Um, no, the only thing that. that I would, you know, be mad about at this point is that he's still not for Medicare for all, despite all of this. And people are spending thousands or getting hundred thousand dollar bills for getting this disease. And it was said that, you know, nobody would have to pay for it, but that's bullshit. It's happening. People are getting billed for it. Um, but, really? Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh but anyway, that I was mean, a lot of talk about current events that, uh, <coughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, but it was all, but it was all great examples of nigga moments. Right. That that's exactly what I was going to say. I've been thinking through it. That's a nigga moment. That's a nigga moment. Yep. (laughs) Yes. Very much. Very much, girl. Oh, for Uh, sure. But I know this, uh, we we just I'm sure we'll be talking about it again. Oh, so yeah. oh, believe me. <laughs> we may oh. refer back to just this one episode in talking about the current events, but of course we are on uh what is it, episode five? Four. Granddad's Four. Four. fight. Yes, granddad's mm-hmm. fight. So what did you ladies think about this episode? I I had parts that really annoyed me because some of the things that I really hate about um uh, hate's a hard word that's not right some of the things that I do not identify with in black culture were mm-hmm. kind of highlighted in this episode mm-hmm. um and I uh actually if if y'all don't mind that I kind of already go into my clip um one of the things that I was seeing throughout was kind of that recurring theme of toxic masculinity in the black mm-hmm. community and not you know not wanting to look weak or or anything like that but there's also nigga moments are unpredictable hey wait man wait this is stupid hey you right dog look let's put the guns away and go on about our business freeze but they all end up bad if they had their own category, nigga moments would be the third leading killer of black men behind pork chops and FEMA. It's a fact. <laughs> now, joke aside, because I loved the joke at the end of that little bit, because FEMA. <laughs> right. I just reminds me of Kanye West. George Bush does not like black people. Ugh. I just, I don't know why that mm, just reminds me. Every classic. time I hear it, that's what I hear. And yet, um, and yet, who is that? That person who said that quote, friends with now. But anyway. Like one of the things uh, that in this episode, because that was near the beginning of the episode, mm-hmm. and already you had that, oh, I can't look weak. I need to fight. Oh, wait, wait, let's not fight. Oh, no, it's too late. The fucking cops are coming because nigga moments will almost always end in someone to. dying because mm-hmm. if the cops mm-hmm. are called, let's be perfectly mm-hmm. honest here. So, like, all of that is wrapped up together, like, not wanting to appear weak, not wanting to have anyone think that you're, you know, what was it that Tom said? No one's going to think you're a... 
a pansy pants. <laughs> or a fruity boy. <laughs> right. Nobody's going to think those things. Um, no, but that's that's a really good point. Like that's. I remember when I was growing up, one of the reasons I didn't want to hang out with the few black kids that I didn't did end up meeting was because there was a lot of that. A lot of, you know, I have to look hard. I have to look tough. I don't, you know, I can't possibly appear weak and I will fight you if you think that, you know, if you call me a fag, oh, that's the worst thing because then I'm not a man. And so like those things really turned me off. And unfortunately, because I knew so few black people, that and the stereotypes that I was seeing in the media just worked together to kind of help some of that internalized racism become strong mm-hmm. in me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was that was a theme kind of throughout for me and also because of the climate we're in today, how apt it was and is still. Yeah, and I can definitely, I, I see your um, point of view on why you would have the ideal that you had um, and the the vision, I don't want to say the vision, but um, the stereotype that was yeah. that was built up for, for you in so many different, like personally and, you know, what you saw on television and just your, was, your entire world was being encapsulated by that right. stereotype. Of, it was you know, the picture I was put in my head of the Black community and therefore I didn't want to be a part of the Black community. Yeah. Yeah. So. And I can relate being from, you know, the only black girl or one of the only black girls in, you know, my small farm farmer esque, uh, like I used, you know, like I've said before, you know, Friday night lights type of town. <laughs> I definitely and you saying what you just said, it just brought up this these thoughts and this memory to me again. I definitely worked harder to not fit into a lot of the stereotypes that I mm-hmm. know that my my peers and my classmates had because they only had exposure to what was on television, yeah. what was on, you know, what was in music. Um, and I, I felt like um, at a young age, I tried to make it my mission to kind of change the vision of what Black people were, you know, to Elk Grove. And so if there were a group of kids, you know, that we, we grew. We grew from like 25 Black kids. So once I got into high school, it was like a good 150 of us out of 1,000. I'm sorry, just 1,000 that was in my class. So overall, it was about 2,500 kids at the school. So we had maybe, I'm going to say 300, maybe. That's probably being generous. But out of that full amount, there was only a certain group that I hung out with that I was familiar with. And those were the kids that had the same kind of like they were in sports or they knew the other, you know, the other kids that were that were non-melanated, that were popular. Um, They kind of had that same. Other students saw them the same way that I wanted to be seen. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. they, they were the cool black people. Yeah. Um, you don't speak the same way. Now, once I got older, I started to realize how how distasteful that statement was mm-hmm. and yeah. how that wasn't something that I should have been proud of, but that's something I had to learn, you know, personally. Absolutely. Um, Just like I had uh, to learn that the, a stereotype does not define an entire community. Yeah. And yet yeah. there are still people trying to, struggling with that idea right now. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, and I took it as the same way as far as that first scene, but then I also, my husband and I watch it together and we kind of have these conversations. He's really into it, guys. Let me just tell you, okay? He's awesome. really into this. He's really into, he goes, we got to watch the show. He gets my notebook and we like write down notes, but um, it is, I think it's, um, it's overall what I see now because my husband goes, compare it to like the white boys that you used to hang out with. And he goes, who were they? And I was like, the kind of meathead, roidy, style, kind of like football uh-huh. players that would fight at the you know drop of a hat. Mm-hmm. So, yep, same kind of situation, but there was no 
white boy moment or no, you know, no, no cracker moment or anything like that. You know, yeah. trying to say that there was none of that. Um, it was always two black men. So mm-hmm. I always, I, so what I took away from this is, is it really a black man thing or is it just a man thing? You know, do, man, I totally you know, think it's a man thing. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So because, yeah. because uh, nobody looks at white culture as white culture. Yes. Um, and they look at black culture as all encompassing of black culture. Yes. Uh, when black Monolith. people do something, it becomes something that black people do. Uh-huh. Whereas uh-huh. if, you know, Donald Trump's a fucking moron. It doesn't mean that all white people are fucking morons. I say that with like hitting myself in my head for using ableist language, but I need to do better. But seriously, like it, it is what it is. It is. But we can all know as if, if any of the three of us got like lost it in, in, in AM PM. You know, yeah. if somebody stepped in line in front of us, we were like, excuse me, you stepped in line in front of us. That's media bliss get an attitude. I've seen plenty of white girls go mm. eight <laughs> shit. Ate uh-huh. shit, you know? But when they do it, I mean, now it's becoming a thing. Now it's it's Karen's, mm-hmm. but that's also mm-hmm. when it has to do with, you know, racism or when injustices. But if you see somebody go ape shit, we, two women, but I'm black, she's white, who's going to be the one that's going to be talked about more? You yeah. know? Because of the stereotype so, of the angry black woman. Yeah. Yep. And that's where, like, how we were saying, like, there's a problem with, um, people have a problem with, like, Black people and these stereotypes. You know who has a problem with Black people and these stereotypes? Black people. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes. here's what... I, it all just ties back in from where we started this whole conversation. Like, and at least my opinion, y'all, this is going to be offensive to many people. Um, but even how we were talking about Obama at the start of the podcast and how he he behaved as he had to yes. behave mm-hmm. as the first mm-hmm. Black man at that table or they would never let another one of us in. Right. And you know how much you you could hear the words in his head, like when he's like cussing out a motherfucker for being a fucking oh, idiot. No. Like his no. last like couple of months when he started being like mic dropping shit, I was like, there yes. he is. <laughs> There's the black man. <laughs> I, that's, I said that I was like, but, Obama's sneaking Newports again. <laughs> Obama is like he kicks. He knows too many rappers and shit. Obama's getting some good weed. Obama at that last point, he was so done. He was so like, I'm so tired of doing this. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. that's why yeah. I respected him even more is because you could tell that he was behaving himself mm-hmm, for the white mm-hmm. people. Let's go back to the first episode. But he was doing that, but he was doing it for the better and, inbe- you know, the, the empowerment and the embetterment exactly yeah. of not just black people, but the country. You know, yeah. that's what he wanted. He wanted yeah. that change. He really held on to that change that he wanted to see. So, yeah, that's a great point. But what I want to ask y'all to do is to stop doing that. Um, it's the same thing I was saying about like people on this whole Twitter thing of like, don't wish death on Trump. No, you shouldn't wish death on anyone. It's yeah, it's not positive energy, but I need y'all to stop being fake. You are human beings with human emotions and human emotions include rage, pride, Mm -hmm. jealousy, vengeance, toxic masculinity, da da da. You have to start expressing these things before you get in a situation where it's going to escalate and blow up into something it's not. And this is where I'm going to give us Black people a, a call to action to stop. And I understand the real, because it's the same thing you were just saying about why Obama behaved in the way he did. It was for the advancement. It's to, mm-hmm. to avoid these kinds of stereotypes that everyone throws on us. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have to stop holding ourselves 
to the white standard of, or I guess to avoid the white standard of what a black person mm-hmm. is. I'm not saying get out here in these streets and fight because just like uh, Tiara's clip showed, your ass is going to get shot or put in prison. It's not going to be fair for you. It's not going to be good for you. You cannot do that. Be smart. But what I'm going to ask you guys to do is when you see two black girls fighting in the parking lot of a Safeway that you don't get with uh, your other friends, uh, black, white, or whatever, and say like, oh, niggas being niggas. Stop. Mm-hmm. Putting, don't film st- it don't for the f- fucking internet. Yeah. Try, try and help stop no. it. <laughs> yeah, oh God. Yeah. World star. That. Oof. Like no, that. Stop that. doing this was the detriment of, of of our culture for a long time. Now, I'm not going to lie. I definitely enjoyed the questions. I don't know if you guys ever watched World Star <laughs> Hip Hop Questions. That was hilarious. And it didn't just show that Black people were dumb. They showed that everybody was kind of dumb. <laughs> and, yeah. and these people need to learn how to spell and get a book, a math book or something. Like that, to me, overall. But the fights... I mean, the fact that there were mothers that were pushing their daughters into fighting. Now, Mm. it's a different situation than like what we grew up with or like what my parents grew up with. You didn't come home. You didn't you didn't run from a fight. That's the same thing that I was, you know, my mom used to say there was this one girl who every year she was just jealous. Now I know it. I hope she's watching. What up, bitch? Um, (laughs) But she hated every year. She, you know, right after Christmas, she always talked about the clothes that I got. And what it was is that she didn't have that same opportunity. I had both parents. I, you know, I got. Good, I had a good Christmas. So every year she would threaten me to fight me the first day we went back to school. And every year my mom was like, well, you fight her or you fight me. You don't run from a fight. Ooh. You go and you do what you need to do. So I wasn't was not my, my mom. Family. So but, and <laughs> wait, Same, it made me pick out the best outfit that I thought that I got and made me put that on. Ooh, she like, said showing it. up in style. Do it, okay? <laughs> that girl, not one year, ne- nothing ever happened. But it was that whole mentality of, I'd rather you fight than pull out a knife, pull out a gun, pull out something. And I'm not, and I'm not excusing like what what you were just saying, your example at all, but it just made me think of my husband lost another student this weekend, just this past weekend, 17 years old, um, very bright future ahead of him. Um, And he was shot. They don't know why he was in an area that he's, he was off of, you guys don't know the area, but he was in Jackson, off of Jackson Road, just kind of country part of Sacramento. And, they shot at him and ran him into a pole. So the shot killed him, but they don't, you know, then he ran into a pole. Um, Mm. When my husband read it and just to see that emotion and to see him cry over another, he's been a teacher at this high school for six years. And this is probably the fourth or fifth student. Um, One is, is uh, paralyzed and he comes to school, like, you know, he's back at school and everything. But this individual, I, we just, I was just talking to him through, you know, they, they, distance learning and you know my husband jokes with everybody kids with everybody and he, he was uh substituting his physics class and i was like look at you in physics and he's like you know mrs do and we were just talking and then to know that to, i feel for that mother um i feel for that you know but that that's my kind of thought is maybe we should allow for kind of nigga moments where people fight it out get it over with other than picking up guns and and doing all that. I mean, in Sacramento, there was actually 12, uh, 12 shootings this past weekend between Friday and Monday. Oh um, Sacramento is not what you think of as like a gang capital or anything. No, mm-hmm. no. Uh, a nine-year-old girl passed away. Um, my, my husband's student who was 17 and then a 19-year-old uh, young, all black. So... It's, you know, I, like I said, I'm not negating or saying let's, let's put World Star out there. But right. I think maybe if we went back to the whole, scrap it up, it's done when it's done. Nobody else jumps in and then move the fuck on. Then 
you know, maybe there would be uh, less, uh, you know, tragic, tragic opportunities or tragic tragedies. I'm sorry. Now I'm getting kind of choked up talking about it, but tragedies like that yeah. to happen. Um, but yeah. Since that, you watch um, Jason Lee, do you watch Funky Dineva by any chance? Funky Dineva I do. Ross. Yes. Yep. So he did the same thing. He was commenting on Real Housewives of Potomac, which uh, you guys probably don't watch, but the, the same, they had a nigga moment, quote unquote. And um, he was kind of saying exactly what you're saying, that if this wasn't on TV and if there weren't a million women around reaching their hands in and hyping these women up, mm-hmm. and if they hadn't been trying to behave for TV for so long and you, they just had a fight, he's like, I bet you anything give them six months, they would have been best friends. Best because of now friends. Boundaries have like, been established. Think back to like season one of The Real World before we had yep. like the Kardashians yes. and shit. Yeah, And like they would get into knockdown drag out fights and Man. then like, years later they were like people married from that uh, that, that season. Like, like seriously. <laughs> and are oh, still I married whenever that. like 30 yes. years later. I love that. Okay, the first one was the best one ever, by the way. New York was the yeah. best with Eric Neese and was, um, and Kevin. Pedro wasn't yeah. in that season, right? He was in L.A., right? For anybody who, who might have watched this, like, that was the one yeah. for... The, the first time that somebody with AIDS was on television. Yes, that a, was uh, San Francisco. Yes, yeah. Yes, um, yes. I... Julie and... Um, oh, my God, I love that. And Pedro, that was... Oh, my God, I... Like tears again because I seriously. remember that I re- and, like one of my and uh, you know I was a little weird queer girl that didn't understand how queer I was and um I you know my my god if I I kind of wish that I had grown up with my godfather being out but he mm-hmm. didn't come out to me until I was sixteen so I missed a lot of that you know we we made up for it in the five years that we had before he passed away but oh. it it you know I I look back and I'm like. How sooner would I have figured so much shit about myself out if I had had a queer role model growing up? And so yeah. that's kind of what Pedro was for me. And, yes. you know, even even like shit, I remember when he died um, and it came on the news. Oh, fuck. I was a wreck for days. I was so glad. <laughs> like, I remember Judd, when Judd got on and talked about it, like yeah. him and Judd were really close. Um, speaking of Judd and Judy, like Judd and Julie got married. They like and live in Frisco. Yeah. yeah, that's so cute. I love them. But yeah, that um, I, I clearly <laughs> remember the MTV special. I clearly remember them talking about that's when they really start the conversation about AIDS. Yep. Um, yep. And, I mean, and we'd about, already kind of lived through Ryan White and knew about him because bit, of yeah. like Michael Jackson and yeah. um, uh, Elton John and yeah. other celebrities that like kind of worked with him. But it was uh, magic. It was more that we got out, to know magic somebody. Was gone. Magic was gone all quick. But yeah, it was, <laughs> it was, it was, I think because it was our age group and, mm-hmm. you know. And it was really real getting world, to know somebody as a person and not just, you know. He was so great. Like, oh my God. Like, I remember his, oh God, I, I could totally watch that. That's what MTV needs to put back on. Put back <laughs> on reruns and, of old uh, yeah, reruns. real world. It got shit old after like year four or five. So, oh my gosh. <laughs> it got so bad. I mean, it's like, if it. I think it's like season 37 or something right now if they put it back on. But oh, now they right. do like, are you the one? Where Basically, all they do now is they want people to hook up. Yep. That's all yep. That's it the is. whole point of it. <laughs> and on Real World, at least you know there was hookup. Do you guys, do you remember Trishel from Vegas? Oh, that girl was such a hot mess. Oh, she was so nah, good. I, I stopped watching it probably around the fourth or fifth like it, the first time it came to Seattle, I was like, "Nah, that's not okay. that's not Seattle," nah. and oh, it just ended uh, it all for me. <laughs> when David slapped um, Irene, oh, see, I'm, look, I know 
shit. And, well, well, and I know exactly. Well, actually, it's not there anymore because the pier that was just off of it just fell into the Puget <gasps> Sound recently. <laughs> Shut up. But it that- used to be the the place where they had built that loft was right right by the aquarium in downtown Seattle. Um, oh my god! I can't remember the second time they came to Seattle. God, they were shunned like everywhere public. Like there were signs up everywhere that was like "fuck off, real world." And I remember like, they, yeah, they don't <laughs> nobody like would let anybody I, record inside. That's probably so. the reason why they started going to like Mexico yep, or like exactly. when they went to Paris. <laughs> because I think that I think that a lot of cities here were like, nah, I don't need that kind I, of drama and attention. Yeah. Yeah, when they went to Hawaii though, but real world was good. That was some good. That was some good TV. Back in it's the day. funny it how using nigga moments as a euphemism for stupid, idiotic shit that people do to each other. Like the real world, and was really kind of the start of <laughs> that becoming. I mean, there were art. There were nigga moments from the dawn of time. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, where it became cultural almost. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. it it took like the worst parts of, you know, the first couple of seasons, it really was trying to like show off what real people were like. And exactly, then it became yeah. all about the fighting, the sex, the drug mm-hmm. abuse, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and whatever else and, they could, whatever drama they could They pack typecasted in. people. So yep. once you started realizing that they typecasted people, and when you're typecasted, that means you're here for this story. Like this mm-hmm. is your this is your piece in this story. So when they, you know, Tammy, for example, I think Tammy was probably the first typecasted um individual, um, as far as, you know, a young black woman who wanted to sing and dance and she couldn't speak properly. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like they Tammy was the first one that I think they put into that role. Then they started putting people, um, the angry black guy or, you know, the the black guy who didn't want to seem angry. So he really messed with only white girls. That's because he really didn't want to deal with the fact that, you know, the, the black side of him. And then somebody said something racist and then all of a sudden he realized he was black and then it was an issue. Like they completely <laughs> fabricated. They did. They really set up what reality tv is now i don't i don't care what anybody yep. says but like the bachelor and all that shit you guys just give your homage pay your homage to the real world because that's that's where you get right. from yeah and i'm gonna follow up with you on that whole point about like real housewives and stuff real housewives there's like two yes. black franchises in that whole series maybe four yep. if you count like spinoff yep. series and yep. the rest of these women are white and on these white franchise series fighting they fight yes. each other. Per, the Persian yes. one, Shaws of Sunset, fighting each other. Oh, um, hey, look, nope. <laughs> the Please don't let them have a couple hits of tequila on Shaws. Oh, wanna... oh, it goes. Right. Oh, it's good. That's a good one too. Oh, it's my favorite. One of my favorites. I love. Um, I'm so mad. Like I love Reza. I love I'm MJ, and I'm Reza? just like, why aren't you guys? I love them. Yeah, uh, <laughs> they'll come yeah. back. They'll be friends again. They, um, they have to. <laughs> The, and they Andy's do it gonna for sit the them TV. Down. Yes, yeah. Andy's going to sit them down and go, you guys are friends this season. Now, yep. you two aren't. Because that's, you could, you tell it. I mean, look, I love Real Housewives of Orange County. They're the OGs. Love yep. them. Premiering but right the now. the same fighting that they do there is the same fighting that they do on Atlanta, but fish just start thrown. And the only reason why is because, no, black, we're just passionate. Like, if you get us to that point, it's going to go there. It, I, I right. can't remember any physical fights other than um, Tamara Barney threw Tamara, Gina no, Keough into the pool and Tam, threw a glass right. in her face. Yeah, um, on Jersey, and I thought Gina was going to get her. 
Oh, I thought yeah, so did I. And Gina was so chill. Jersey, you you do know about Teresa Giudice because this is one of the most iconic reality TV moments of all time. She went to jail or something, right? Yes. Well, and then even before, like when she was first introduced on that show, the season finale is when she's banging on that table, calling that woman prostitution, and she flips the table over at her, like. So like, good. but then on Potomac, <laughs> on this Real Housewives of Potomac with these black women, now like the black community on Twitter and stuff is out here saying things like, oh, Monique, you've set us back. Oh, you've done this. Yeah. Oh, you've so destroyed like, our image. I feel yeah, like they can expected we talk about Potomac to, do a, to, to be a little better. I feel like people compared Potomac to like Married with Medicine. Like these mm-hmm. women have careers, they have other things going on and they really don't wholly on Potomac. Like they're they're just in a different area than like Atlanta or yes. where we're used to. Yeah, so, very wealthy. Yeah, Those so of you listening it, along, I am just nodding and smiling. <laughs> 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 but, no idea. <laughs> like you said, we, we can talk about this whole image thing though because, well, one of the yeah. castmates is trying to get the, the woman Monique who threw hands she's trying to get her kicked off the show over this oh. which that was her plan from the start monique oh, is the wealthiest it. woman on that show mm. so she's trying to put this burden on her of like you've soiled us you've ruined our image you've given into the black stereotypes and now i don't want to be around you she bought a security guard like to Girl. meet with her and all this stuff so we can talk that about that because when I, yes doing and when i say stop TV. Stop doing this to other black people. Stop supporting these stereotypes. That's what I'm talking about. But we're not doing this anymore because this is a people thing. This is not a black people thing. I like that girl because it's absolutely true. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why I like the boondocks so much. Like, I, I literally look at Huey and Riley as my, when I was growing up, as kind of what I envisioned of the black community. Riley being a little asshole who will like instigate and cheer on the fights and like collect money and shit. And Huey being like, can can we just not? Can we can we like be intellectual and, you know, be interested in things that have nothing to do with like the downfall of our people? That's an awesome point. That's an awesome point of view. I never I don't think I've ever looked at it like that. Like they both represent, I think, kind of both sides and 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 we're you know, our spectrum of who we are are just, it's wider yeah. than that. But yeah. overall, you do have those that are on this side, that are on the Riley side. And then you have those of us that, you know, that are on the Huey side. And we're just, and a little bit crosses over. Because look at Huey, yeah, you know, yeah. you mess with your, you mess with his grandfather, you mess Absolutely. with his life, you mess with his family, then that side's coming out. And that's very, uh, that that's very true, I think, of most of most uh, Black people. Um, don't mess with mine. I can, but don't mess with mine, yeah. you know. <laughs> yep. I could not have talked to that person in years, but you start owning his problems. Um, and yeah, that's, I, I love that. I, I never thought about that. Um, that is very, very true and indicative of who we are, I think, as a community. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it actually made me, like, I wrote down a few things. Um, specifically, what I wrote down there was, uh, Riley celebrates the worst of Black culture watching the the fights break out and like With the chair being <laughs> wanting that to happen and, and all of that. Whereas Huey wants Black people to be better. Like, he knows that they can do better. And, Mm -hmm. like, I remember when we first started doing this, I said that I felt like I had been Jasmine when I grew up, or when I was a child and grew up to be, like, more like Huey. Um, I think the only difference, really, would be I, like, Huey will just, you know, walk away and just be like, you know, but he'll just move on and everything's okay the next. Like, I hold a fucking grudge. So <laughs> I'm petty patty, but Oof. I realize that that takes more energy. It does than yeah. to let it go. So, but don't don't get me wrong. 
Because like I said, I'm an Aries, true through and through. So that side will be with me. <laughs> and then the more rational side, probably the Taurus husband over here, is probably the one that gets me to realize, like, is it really that serious, though? Like, they're not going to change. And if they do, you're probably not going to be the one that, 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 you know, promotes that change. Like, it will mm-hmm. happen, but it may not happen I, right away. I've gotten that a lot. Also in Aries, but I'm going <laughs> to yeah. need y'all to stop. You don't I have to you, fist girl. fight them. You don't have to be like granddad, but I'm going to need you to start speaking up. I'm going to need you to yes. start calling people out on their bullshit so we don't end up where we are right now yes. once again. But uh, we don't yeah. have to. We can keep unpacking. But I mean, oh, it's I the biggest reason why we're doing so this well. podcast. Like, yes, I think there you go. The three of us yes. have Huey's point of view that Black people yes. can be better. But it doesn't necessarily mean that the other part is inherently negative. I think that there could be a lot of good that comes out of some of the negative stereotypes if Mm -hmm. they're Mm -hmm. kind of recast in a different way. But I think the biggest thing that I see is, you know, Riley would laugh at misfortune, you know, when granddad got his ass beat and, you know, like it was hilarious (laughs) and he had to rank on him until granddad was just beaten down. (laughs) Don't, don't do that. Like make fun of your friends, make fun of your family, but do not make that man cry. Come on. And I think, think and that to me said a couple of different things. One, it's like we as black people, we definitely can see and like make a bad situation and try to make jokes out of it. That's where like snapping comes from and, you know, and playing the dozens and what and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Um, But everyone's in on it in that. Yeah. Everyone's uh, like, it's uh, what's, the damn word we use all the time everyone has agreed that consented thank you everyone has consented to that situation yes Whereas with granddad he was hurt he was yeah angry, yeah and that's what I'm saying. and then the other and side Riley where maybe it gets taken stop. too far <laughs> yeah but my thing is y'all tease your granddads you do have to do it now yes. don't go don't bully people please and like you said yeah, buying right. is important like i'm, I'm big on Come from a place of love. Come from a place mm-hmm. of love. Y'all, mm-hmm. I'm the youngest of four. You don't, my ass got teased my entire life, but I feel like taking it from my siblings is why I can now go into these corporate spaces where I'm being mistreated and having people talk to me crazy and just totally keep my cool because Please I tell learned- my nine year old that. Please. Because he's the youngest and he just does not get it. He's so sensitive. (laughs) But yeah, no. (laughs) Yeah, he's but he's built up character and strength. And and I think it will be like people who are really sensitive. That's part of your your growth journey. Typically, Mm -hmm. is boundary establishment and also learning to be so confident in who and what you Mm -hmm. are that -hmm. these outsiders cannot shake you. Mm -hmm. Um, It is essential. And I think though your safe your safe kind of family unit is where a lot of that growth happens. I'm not saying mm-hmm. abuse your kids. I'm not saying, uh, you know, make make fun of them and just be cruel, which siblings can be. I experienced that. Um, but I don't know. I, I want people to start being honest about their negative emotions because yeah. you are a human. You have negative emotions. Start owning them. Don't get it. Don't go mm-hmm. beat someone's ass, please. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying own your shit. Process it. And that's how well, you like I always say. Like I always tell my kids, you know, your wit hurts more than anything else. Mm-hmm. And so, the, you know, the the kids or whatever that that tease you and say this and that, all you got to do is just use your wisdom because then they, there's nothing that they can use to fight against that 
unless they get physical. Now it gets to that point. That's a different situation. But right. nine times out of 10, it's not going to because you're going to, you know, make them so flabbergasted and so <laughs> flustered by the fact that you're using your wit against, you know, their, their malice. So same kind of thing. Like we have to be able to know how to communicate what we feel. Um, and if we don't know how to communicate it in a way that's not like, you know, the, the people that they always get, you know, the only black people they ever seem to find when they do newscast, the only <laughs> black witnesses they can find. Anyone well, I don't think that's true. Say, yeah. Right. <laughs> I think it's like that um, when you when you look at the, uh, uh, um, oh God, it's a future episode where he's like, oh, there's black people, so let's start filming. Something's going to happen. <laughs> like that's, <laughs> yeah, I like, we haven't gotten remember. to that yet, but when you talk about like the the black people that get interviewed by the news, they're not looking for the most articulate and yeah. well dressed and well put together. Like they are looking for the hot yeah. mess, and yeah. they're looking yeah. for someone who's going to accidentally swear so they can be like, "Oh, oops, <laughs> exactly." So yeah. aggressive. And, and, and they are who they are. Don't let me, you know, let me preface oh, yeah. that by saying right, they are who right. they are, but. Being that that's what people expect out of communication with us, um, the fact that you can come and you can say something in a way that they're that will confuse them, you know, and allow them to maybe open up their ears and actually hear you, then that that's something that we should kind of work on, you know. But there's there's a space for everything. Twitter, I'm not saying be politically correct and being grammatically correct. I mean, oh no, grammatical. Let's try to be grammatically correct. <laughs> but you know, I'm not saying that you have to. Um, you have to express yourself as if you're in like a work environment. So you have to say it in a way that is safe for you to be there. Say, like you said, you know, say your piece, speak your truth. Um, I think that the, the protest and everything that's going on now and the continuous protest, the fact that they're, it's not dwindling away, you know, it's not as, right. of course, the news isn't talking about it because they don't want us to know that these things are still going on. And but that I it's think not it, violent inherently. Exactly. Nobody's looting, so let's not talk mm -hmm. about it. Um, mm -hmm. But I think in every major city, there's still, you know, just significant protests that are going on. Mm -hmm. That's what we're doing. That's what people are doing now. And I, and I love that, you know, they're expressing it yeah. in a different way, but I love what you're saying. I think we should, we should get a t-shirt that says, stop doing that. You know? Yeah. Stop. We'll figure it out. <laughs> we'll, we'll brand it. Yeah. Stop. My Instead best. of Melania's be best, we could be, be better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. I know you can do better than that. <laughs> like that's <laughs> what I say real. to my students a lot. I know you can do better than that. Mm -hmm. I know mm -hmm. that you are not trying as hard as you can right now. Yeah. Let's, mm. let's, let's try it again. <laughs> <laughs> and then they put in the effort. Yep. That's Usually, you know, I, I actually had a, a talk with a parent today where um, we tried some, we've tried something new this week and it's only been two days, but in these two days, this child has already done more than he did in the entire first month of school. Oh, wow. So like, I think we might've actually found the thing that works. And <clears throat> it's, it's that, it's that same thing that I, you know, when I was talking to him and we were trying to figure this out, it was like, you can't just lay there and not do anything. That is not participating in this mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. If we're doing this together, if I'm going to invest my time in working with you and making sure that you get to where you want to be, you need to put in the effort too. And like basically we talked about, you know, what we could change to make the thing that was hard for him go away but still be able to do the, you know, whatever I wanted him to do and yeah. mm -hmm. it's it's really I wish that all schools could, I wish that all kids could have somebody, shit, I wish all, all kids could have an IEP because that's literally what is giving my kids the upper edge right now. Yeah. I've got, I'm, I, I, I can, without consulting 
the gen ed teacher or whatever, I can say, I'm pulling my kid in the afternoon because six hours on the, online is too much. Yeah. And I want him reading for an hour after school and then he's done. Yeah. You know, like that sort of thing. Um, or like I have one who is probably going to be in person one or two days and then completely offline for everything else. So like he'll take home packets to work on mm. when he's not in school. Mm, okay. That's not something that a lot of uh, schools are able to do for their students. Or accommodate. Literally, yeah. Or come exactly. Yeah, this yeah. is literally because I teach special ed and these kids have me. Yeah, and so, I agree. I completely agree. And it, it it's just taking the time to to understand how each individual student learns. Not everybody learns the same. Um, exactly. So maybe out of 100 students, you will have 25 that do learn the same. But, you know, the rest are going to be spread across the board. And being able to make that adjustment, I think, will make a huge improvement to our education system in the whole country, in the entire country. If that was something that could just be identified from, you know, point A. So, yeah. yeah, I agree with you there. I see, you know, even though Hubby's not, um, <laughs> you know, that's not his specialty. Those are the students that he he tends to get because he can help them more from a discipline and respect uh-huh. kind of, um, you know, aspect. And then then everything else kind of falls into place and he's able to work with other teachers and to make sure that they're on point with their grades and whatnot. So, yeah, I see the, the benefit of um, just having everybody be individual and letting that student know that we individually understand how you learn and what's the best learning style for you. Especially since, you know, the school district as a whole, all over the country, the, the, the educational system was not created with the current generation's needs in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, for example, a lot of the kids I work with, when we moved to online learning, they picked it up like that. Mm-hmm. But the teachers struggled because we've never had to, you know, we've never really sat on a computer all day long. Whereas they know how to, you know, find everything that they need and get around things. And within like a week, they figured out how to chat individually with each other. And like they were chatting outside of school hours and figuring all this shit out where we were like, Yay. I what? how did you do that? Okay, you teach me how to do that so I can, yeah. so I can figure it out. But, <clears throat> sorry. I don't quite know where I was going with that. <laughs> oh no, we were, we're just all over the place. Uh, okay. um, no, but that, it is I, our brand. <laughs> it is. Yeah, right. I actually was. Um, I was going to bring up that you know, there's a lot of stuff in this particular episode that is not really. Um, it's not a social justice issue. Like the fight itself is very much a black community thing, but you also had. Like the anime and the samurai fighters and and the the um, the magic negro who can who's blind and his other senses are enhi- enhanced and all you know so yes. there was kind of this like fantasy storyline running through the whole thing um, at the same time yeah. as as these real situations. I do think that was all about empathy though, and how it all kinds of escalates to the whole thing with Granddad at the end killing him, uh, yeah. Stinkmeaner. Um, I like even the whole training thing and how Huey, how we said is like, he was so, you know, enlightened and evolved and wouldn't be someone to engage in violence. I think what they're trying to remind you of is exactly what MJ was saying about her new clothes at Christmas time and the girl who was trying to fight her. Try and take that 360 look at things. Y'all, I've met a lot of haters in my career because I don't, like I said, I don't care if I sound arrogant. I'm good at what I do. And a lot of people (laughs) think I'm just a slutty bimbo who wears a lot of makeup and all this stuff. I've dealt with a lot of haters and what they're trying to ask you to do is like 
Please remember, though, if I'm good at what I do or I worked hard, whatever I have, you know, if someone is jealous of it, there's a reason behind that jealousy. So don't be so quick to execute them or mm-hmm. attack them or to to come to where they're at and do behave in the way they do. Like, you know, how I think Huey has the whole epiphany. Guys, I guess I probably should have picked better clips. How Huey has the whole <laughs> epiphany when granddad is about to like actually start whomping on Stinkmeaner. And he says like, I realize this is just my granddad fighting a blind old man. Like, I think yeah. that is something they're calling for you to to take a step back before you get into an altercation or an N-word moment and look at the 360 of it and look at where you sit in the situation, you know? Absolutely. If you can't step back and, well, actually, let me rephrase that. Because, um, again, it's something that I have in, in my classroom. I have a poster that says, uh, um, you are entitled to have any feeling that you have every feeling is yes. okay. Well, I, I'm paraphrasing because I can't think of the exact wording. Um, every feeling is valid, yes. but what you do with that feeling is what matters. And yes. I think um, a lot of what we see, or what a lot of what we we can name as a nigga moment, could literally be stopped just by both parties stepping back for a second and going. Maybe you didn't mean to run into me, or maybe you didn't mean to insult somebody, or maybe you didn't mean to um, smile at my person, whatever. I don't know. But it's it's so often something so small and ridiculous that really it's not that one thing. There's so much more to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if a student in my class is raging and ripping things and throwing things and tipping over desks, it's not because he's mad at the paper and the desks and probably not even right. that he's mad at me and probably not even mad at the kid that he's like screaming at, mm-hmm. but probably hasn't had breakfast or didn't sleep very well last night or got yelled at by his parents or had a fight on the school bus or whatever. Like, we don't know what happens outside of whatever time we spend with somebody. We don't know what's going on Mm -hmm. in their life. And a lot of people, a lot of people don't approach other people in that way, but also we don't do it ourselves. Like, I'm very introspective. I fucking process everything because... I'm fascinated with psychology and I'm autistic. So I like I go to my therapist when there's something that I cannot figure out on my own because I just sit and think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's not something that most people are able to do. You know, I can think my way out of being angry at somebody or, you know, think my way out of um or think my way into understanding somebody. Uh it all just takes time. Mm-hmm. Um and a lot of people aren't willing to put in time, so then it leads to right. quick emotions, which usually are not, yeah, not the safest. <laughs> yeah, and that yeah. comes with That's having cool. a sense of accountability or wanting to have a sense yep. of accountability and wanting yeah. to understand who you are and why you do what you do. That that yes. kind of comes with that. So if you don't have that desire yet or that ability, then you're not. You know, you're going to be that, that impulsiveness is going to reign, you know, over what you do and, and your life. Um, and um, being impulsive is not always a bad thing in situations, you know, you know, I'm still um, learning how to do that. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) for sure. Um, when you're able to, to, um, to have accountability and to have retrospect and to have the ability to look inward over being impulsive, then Mm -hmm. it, it just makes things just a little bit smoother. You know, you're able to get along a little bit better. Absolutely. Or even in this case, like we said, granddad or Huey has the moment, not granddad. It is a blind old man, Mm -hmm. you know, 
I'm not, of course, it's, you know, as Tiara was saying, the actions are not right. Stink meters actions are not right. Sure, we got it. But you take that moment, look at the whole picture. Am I really about to beat up a blind old man? Am I going to let this person take me out of my, it's not a higher status, but like take me out of my normal behaviors? Mm-hmm. Nah, dude, y'all, you can't do that. You can drop it, you know, and you move on yeah. if you take that one little moment like I always like to hear the girls on like bad girls club or somebody say like that you're taking me out of my character so it's kind of yes. like that you're allowing somebody like that. to that's actually a really good way to put it out of my character yeah yes. you're you know um so that that kind of you're allowing somebody to really break you down so much that you lose all sense of um sensibility about you all know control. yourself yeah, yeah which is yeah. what they want which is yeah. what they want yeah, I exactly. see you as Stinkier. here I see me as here fight me mm-hmm. yes Exactly. Mm-hmm. Stink Meaner wasn't going around trying to be friends with people. He was looking for a fight. He was yep. going to berate whoever was there into a fight. But it was up to Granddad to walk away. Mm-hmm. And yes. he didn't. And instead, met him over and over again. And eventually, one of them ended up dead. I mean, it got so, like, just... Normally, somebody would hear about that in your neighborhood. Your friends, mm. your family, whatever. This shit was on the news. It was like, you know, so he had <laughs> he had nothing but the um, the anger and the resentment and the, sh- the shame being built up where that yeah. really is what, you know, drove him and what motivated him to be like, well, I'm going to handle this, you know, so. And I think, of course, that has a broad- broader message as well. You know, um, definitely social media. I feel bad for the kids now. Like I've said before, we had slam books back in the day. Ooh, like, oh, that Jesus was Christ, gist. right? Right, that was the gist. <laughs> I forgot about that. That's how shit got out. Now you have kids <laughs> that don't even go to your school that find out about shit and they teach you about it on Instagram or Twitter or whatever else. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, kind of broader message slam, in that point. But, middle school, fuck. Yeah, slam books, girl. I remember. Sorry, doing, you took me back. Oh, I just remember having a dope yeah. of slam books at the time, and I wrote in different colors, and like each one had a theme. Uh, like, oh yeah, I was serious about my slam book. And if you didn't get it back, you would be hot. Like, what? Who had my slam book last? Mm-hmm. You're like looking at the numbers <laughs> and the names. Yeah. You don't even That's know what that was, too. Yeah, Dean doesn't know. I do. Oh man, yeah, slam books were good. They did start a lot of shit though. It was like um. It was like an anonymous message board before there was such a thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everybody would like have their own thing and people would write shit in it. Sometimes it would be like, mm-hmm. I want to date you. And sometimes it was like, fuck you, bitch. <laughs> yeah. Who do you hate? Usually for like, me, it was, yeah. she's awkward or she's weird. Like, that's what I would normally get. <laughs> and that's yeah. okay. Because you probably Absolutely. weren't doing half the shit that they, they were all doing. I know that's how I think about it now. Like, I remember going to my school, first party and just it. seeing everybody, like the most popular kids, just face deep like seriously in a pile of coke and um mm-hmm. my very first high school party and i was like what the court with the quarterback and the you know the class president and the head like yeah oh yeah <laughs> my senior year we actually voted the person who um what was it uh we <laughs> i can't remember exactly what it was we we voted him uh fuck i wish i could remember exactly what the thing was Anyway, this this guy, he he was uh, valedictorian, the biggest pot dealer at our school. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> proposed to his girlfriend at high school at, at graduation. Like, <laughs> but he wow. was voted like I I want to say most likely to succeed or something like that. But we did it as a joke because he was such a pothead. <laughs> <laughs> See, to me, he probably owns like one of the biggest <laughs> cannabis companies now. He probably is like I have no idea. 
I do oh know that he's still married to her. So, you know, that's 20-something years that they've been married. And I don't know very many people that can say that. at Right out of high age, school. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, yes. Yeah, I think they got married at like 19 or something. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's pretty damn good because you change a lot. Between mm-hmm. 18 oh, yeah. and especially, let's say, they were, were they dating like most of high school? Like you change a lot between yeah. 14, 15, 16 and, and 37, 38, you know, like that's that's a big difference. But kudos to them. I bet you watched like if you if you Googled, you'll find out he's like the head of like the biggest weed company or something. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't <laughs> be surprised. He's he's a white male in Seattle. So uh, probably <laughs> Don't get me started on uh, that. I talk about equity and inclusion in that all day. Um, you know, that's well, that's to yeah. uh, to prevent us from talking about all these things all day. We should probably uh, wrap it up. Is there anything else from this episode in particular that you wanted to touch on? No, I think the everything? overall sentiment. Yeah, because it was even though we didn't really go through the other clips, but yeah, I don't. Did you have yeah, any? I think like we've we've discussed the other clips without playing them. Like the yeah. private nigga moment versus public nigga moment. We've discussed these mm-hmm. things. Uncle Ruck yes. is trying to be an instigator. So there's oh, fuck yeah, him. I'm the, just... uh, I was telling <laughs> Dean, like when I, I remember my dad had an answering machine like that. And unless it was like work calling him in, which was the whole reason why we had an answering machine. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, he went, so we didn't have to answer the phone at two o'clock in the morning. Um, but uh he, if somebody would start talking and he was like, I don't want to fucking hear from him. He would literally walk over, pick up the phone and hang it back up. And I was like, why the fuck ain't granddad doing that? <laughs> I know he can. That's an old right. fashioned. Sat there and listened to it. Yeah. And took it. Uh, yeah. Took the abuse. I, and that was probably the last straw for him. Cause like Huey had almost talked him back from the mm-hmm. edge. Mm-hmm. And then fucking St- St. Peter is like, ah, no, you, you shame on you. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody Come knows. To my level. Then you got Riley yeah. on top of that. Yeah. Cause Riley was weak, like dying, rolling, like. Riley's like every elementary school kid I know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Riley he has some nuggets sometimes though. He's he does not at the nuggets. point where he understands that that is just not okay. You little no, shit. I think he does. He doesn't give a shit. That's what it is. Yeah, really right. that is he, does. he doesn't give a shit. That's what I think he really is like, you know what? I'm going to say what I'm going to say because I have to say it. Like, I, I, say, <laughs> yeah. I really do think so. Riley would probably but. be one of my students. <laughs> he probably will have gotten in trouble enough that he would be one of my students. Riley would have to go get his own switch if you were my child. <laughs> like, that's what would happen. He would have to go get his own switch and then we would handle it that way. <laughs> I think Riley is a lot of adults out here who say like, mm-hmm. I'm sure y'all True. see it. I want to hear mm-hmm. about your politics. I want to hear your shit. I want to laugh. I'm here for the jokes. Or, you know, mm-hmm. it's a lot of people out here. I get it, y'all. Not me, yeah. but... I wish you. that I could find enjoyment in silly, stupid shit. But I, I feel like my whole ability to laugh is so narrow these days because everything is so bleak and dark and scary yeah. outside. So That's like, why I when watch I'm inappropriate adult nice. cartoons. So yes, love them. Um, mm-hmm. Netflix has one called "Was It Hoops?" Um, a new one, so so horribly inappropriate, and it's so funny. Oh, um, nice. Family oh. Guy's always good for that. Little American eh. Dad. So I'm not like just the inappropriate. Big Mouth. Oh yes, I love Big Mouth. Big Mouth is so good. So I'm so good. That bubble bath. I want to <laughs> yeah. put the I want the hormone monstrous <laughs> tattooed on my body somewhere. It's yes. gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> I also think it's good. I'm like, you don't know what you're missing. It's I fantastic. It's so good. I mean, my Rudolph so just alone. Just, right? 
Oh my gosh, the bubble bath is great. <laughs> I love it. Bubble bath. Right? <laughs> so uh, all right. On that note, let's have our resident white man tell us what our question for the day is. Hello. Well, hello. <laughs> <laughs> I'm white. <laughs> you can play that clip now. Yeah. Ooh, now that joy. How a nigga moment affects a white man. Oh. Watch where you walking, bitch. That's what funny. did you? Wait a minute. I'm white. (laughs) 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 That was funny. That was a good one. That was good. I I mean, like you guys were talking about, yeah, I think Riley and Huey are like the yin and yang. That's, I mean, that's it. They're the yin and yang of, of, what it is. (laughs) So, I mean, yeah, I totally believe it. Um, So, yeah, today's white people question actually comes from Bree Newsom Bass. Now, if if you know who that is, uh, that is the uh, the lady who climbed up the flagpole in South Carolina <laughs> and and took down the Confederate flag right after Charlottesville. So, uh, but and so her Twitter feed is you know full of very much a lot of activist stuff, uh, and she also puts out white people questions <laughs> on her feed. Oh. And, I, and this one I, I, I've procured from her feed, which is, how can someone be racist if, they're parented, if they parented black or mixed-race children? Mom, I promise you this was not directed at you. I love you very much. I know you listen to this, and you tell all your friends to listen to this, so I'm actually going to back out of this one just a little because I'm pretty sure you guys can handle it. I mean, I would just say, please see last week's white people question. Like I said, you can be—I can be Lindsay K. full-on black girl raised in the hood and be racist as fuck fuck against other black people you can be Mm -hmm. gay and be a homophobe like this stuff is not your race does not it's not a a cure for your biases or or makes you any it doesn't automatically yeah 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 Yeah. no i definitely agree i think that if you go into it okay so let's just say it's a stepchild let's or say or let's just say it's you know natural child or whatnot who you fall in love with um, doesn't have anything to do with how you raise that child that may, you know, that may come from that love, that partnership. Because that love, that partnership that you had at maybe, let's say, 20, maybe that shit doesn't work out by the time that you're 25. And so you're not very well prepared to then take on everything that comes along with being of a you know, black or, or, um, you know, person of color, let's just say that doesn't make you prepared for that. And that, that, that doesn't make you absolved to the different stereotypes and the, and the different biases and things that, you know, people that are non-melanated have. Um, I'm not going to say it's innate, but I think it's very much, it's implemented and it's, it's very deep in your culture if, if you can't say there is a culture your culture and what you're taught um so it's very easy to do so because and i'm not saying it's it's something that can be done consciously i will believe that more often than not because that is your child or that is your stepchild and you've taken that position to raise them i'm gonna say more often than not you love them and and it's not something that's done purposely but it's done subconsciously and the fact that somebody would have that question lets me know that there probably are some subconscious things that are done and some you know remarks that are said that you don't realize are detrimental and that are racist um to that child so 
same way, like Lindsay said, revert back to last week. Some way that you can have friends and have people over and, you know, have your child call uncle, you know, uncle Tyrone, uncle doesn't necessarily make you once again absolved from utilizing, um, you know, the power that, that's, that a group has over another minority group. Um, yeah. So and I think you're bringing up a really key point that a lot of people lose in all of these conversations because so many people get offended when you say that's racist or, you, you know, what you did was racist. They, oh my God, I have a black child. How dare you say that? You can have racist behaviors, just like I'm sure I do and say things that are prejudiced or racist. You can have racist behaviors and have the purest heart on the planet. It's exactly what MJ is saying. Your, your ignorance uh, kind of blinds you from recognizing what you are doing. I love my husband. I know my husband loves me. I know my husband has a pure heart, but he says things to me sometimes. I'll be walking around this house with natural hair and he'll be like, you look crazy right now. That is my natural hair. Is my natural hair crazy? Now imagine we bring, bring a black child into this home and my husband says to that black child, Yo, you look crazy right now. What he's going to do is enforce in this child's mind that having their hair pressed mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. you know, all this kind of stuff is it's what's proper and yep. civilized and classy. Yeah. And, you know, Tiara, if you want to take the last word on this, I would totally say go for it because <laughs> you're going to... You know, you're can gonna, I jump in real quick? Yeah. Because I, I have being... Be, my being being the white guy and uh, <laughs> married to a black woman, uh, I I mean I I know I'm 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 positive I I don't I don't know if you've ever called me out on it probably not but I'm sure I've said some shit I I have no doubt and yeah, and I've called you on stuff uh, well, oh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, well, it's it's a lot of how you've learned it, well, a lot I, of I know and that's what and that's what it is and I, I and for 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 you white folks listening uh, <laughs> that uh it, yes you're racist you've done it I've done it I will continue to do it we will all continue to do it the thing is what do you do with it mm -hmm. you're going to you, right. you fucking wake up you learn from it you move on you do right you, you know, you just don't dwell in it. I think that's what it is. So, yeah, I mean, I, so I, that's what I've learned from my own, yeah. you know, kind of, and it's not, it's not the parenting thing. It's the spousing thing. Yeah. So in this particular, yeah. So, right. So, yeah, that's. Yeah, because uh, when, when I met you, I was still referring to myself as the whitest black girl you'd ever made. Yeah. So, like, I definitely held a lot of stuff when, uh, and I grew out of that and brought him along with me is basically what that was, but I think it's the beautiful. one thing, um, <laughs> well, thank you. Um, <clears throat> uh, so I mentioned that my mom is white and I do want to say before I say anything else that, uh, I feel like I got the best potential mom I could with the dad that I had. Um, I will not invite my dad to listen to this if he finds it on his own cool but a lot of my my internalized racism came from him and um and his side of the family like I remember I always like I had big hair all the time and it was I didn't think of it as a big deal until my dad started thinking it was a big deal and his mom was the one that that relaxed my hair for the first time mm. and um you know it there were, I have a lot of stories about hair. hair was a big thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my mom did my so... best in an era when there weren't a lot of sources for white people to learn about how to take mm -hmm. care of black kids' hair. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, my mom 
was fiercely protective of me. She grew up somewhere that did not have the same level of open racism. She grew up in Canada, in BC, in Canada. And she, a lot of the times, you know, she'll tell me that if she didn't even really recognize it until she would, she was walking around with me and would get reactions from that. Um, but in this instance, uh, you know, in the 70s and 80s, there weren't a lot of options for, for them. In 2020, there are a thousand different YouTube videos every single day of some dad learning how to do his kid's hair or yep. some mom learning how to help her child embrace their culture from their other parent or from their birth parents if they're adopted. And there's no excuse at this point, no excuse whatsoever for the image negativity that is pushed on Black children mm. um, by our parents, um, unwittingly. And it kind of goes back to, I can't remember what, I'm hoping it was in this podcast and not in the other podcast, but Ibrahim um, uh, X. Kenzie's uh, book, where he How to Be an Anti-Racist, he talks about there is no racist and not racist. There's only racist and anti-racist. And being not racist still benefits from racist things, racist structures in our community, in schools, in the government. Um, being anti-racist is actively working against racism. So you are either benefiting from racism or actively working against it. Um, and I think, you know, parents 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago in my case, um, they didn't, they did their best for what what they had at the time, uh, especially, you know, my poor mom who didn't know very many black people and basically, like, did her absolute best with a very strange child and a not helpful partner. Um, and, uh, you know, but if, say, Dean and I had decided to have a natural child or tried to have a natural child, I should say, um, we would have had access to so much more information on you know how to from a young age embrace the differences instead of having them be this negative thing. Yeah. Um and I think that's really the biggest thing like parents are the biggest purveyors of anxiety and insecurities in children mm -hmm. whether they know it or not and if you are being actively anti-racist with your child they are going to grow up understanding that their differences are just as great as everyone else's. And that should be the end of it. So, yeah, that's what I got to say. Very well said. Well said. Yeah. I actually didn't You're write so anything articulate. down for this one. So, <laughs> <laughs> usually I write stuff down so I can say specific things. But this one, I was like, fuck. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah, let's off do the it. dome. <laughs> that was straight off the dome, like, like a freestyle. It was good. It was yeah. perfect. Yes. Yeah, Absolutely great. perfect. And I think that kind of wrapped, you know, I think that wraps all of, you know, our sentiments up in a nice little bow um, and answering that question. So, you white people, I hope you got it. Yeah, you white people. There are so <laughs> many things out there, so many ways for you to learn from people who have already put in the labor that, like, literally, if nothing else, pick up So You Want to Talk About Race by Ijeoma uh, Ola. I'm, I'm so afraid of saying people's names wrong now. I want to respect their names. Um, how to be an anti-racist. Um, 
Stamped would be a very good one. There are so many good anti-racist books out there right now. If you are not actively trying to understand what we're mm -hmm. talking about, you are being part of the problem. Mm -hmm. So change it or fuck off. Right? So. I, like, I like that. That's the show right there. Change it or fuck off. nothing else to say. Nothing yeah. else to say. Best closing. Yeah. Awesome closing. Real quick, real, real quick. I want, I, I, and I, and I know I shared this with all of you. Uh, Dennis Guggen is still oh, working on right. those awesome fucking cool. pop vinyls. He's got Tom done. He's got Riley basically done. He posted uh, he, a couple he, pictures. He, yeah, I think today. Got, yeah, I put them out there on the Twitter. So check them out. I mean, fuck, Dennis is kicking ass. So um, the Riley is so cool. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Eyebrows. Yeah. So yeah, I just wanted to give him a shout out. Real quick. Absolutely. Absolutely. Shout out. We need like the pew, 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 pew. We need that. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. On that note, I hope everybody has a fantastic week and don't let the fucking man get you down. Right? Don't take this the wrong way, bud. I need you to get the hell up out of here. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us again as we make our way through the trials and tribulations of the Freeman family. We hope to see you back again next week for a date with the health inspector. Want to know where to find us on the social medias or where to subscribe to the podcast? Just head right over to www.theboondockspod.com slash links. Have a stupid white people question you want to leave us? Email us at host at theboondockspod.com or leave us a voicemail at 760-933-8636. That's 760-WE-3-UNDO. Shout out to the artists who've created our intro and outro tunes. Our intro is hashtag make a change by K-I-R-K. You can find them on Spotify, iTunes, and Tidal. Our outro is Good Times by Audiobinger. You can find them on freemusicarchive.org and YouTube.